Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and from our Lord and risen Savior, Jesus Christ. You may be seated. What a wonderful joy it is to sing. With all this stuff going on in California, I said this past week, uh, along with some others, they should organize a hymn sing around the state capitol with the beautiful hymns of the church. A church is a singing church. We sing and proclaim the mercy of God powerfully and loudly. We keep the windows open, the doors open when we can. May the whole neighborhood be blessed to hear the gospel of the risen Savior, Jesus Christ. May they be blessed to hear the divine mercy of God, that they are welcomed in the church. They are welcome sinners. All of them come through these doors and hear the divine mercy of God, that your sins are forgiven. They are atoned for by the Savior. But we must still maintain that there is sin. The law of God has not been dissolved. It has been fulfilled. But the law of God still remains, and it does judge our behaviors. It judges our deeds. It tells us what things are acceptable and what things are not acceptable according to God's righteousness. Not our judgments, not our opinions, but the immortal and eternal words of God are the standard by which everything that we do within the church and within our entire lives is judged. But yet we hear these words, right? Judge not, lest you be judged. To which case we must say, with with Jesus, what, what are you trying to tell us? Are we not supposed to judge now? Are we not supposed to test what your pastor is telling you? Are you not supposed to test what hymns you are singing against the word of God? Are you not supposed to do this judging of your own life, examining your own life, Are you not supposed to examine the life of your family, of your friends, of the world? Are we just to rely back and say, well, it's not my place. God said, judge not, lest ye be judged. Do you know how many times I get that as a pastor? Pastor, I know my son is living in with his girlfriend And I know the Lord has said we should not do so, but he also said, judge not, lest ye be judged. So who am I to rebuke him? Pastor, I know my family is going to the church, which, you know, they they believe that there's baptism, but it's just a powerful symbol. Pastor, I, I know that they don't practice the Lord's Supper the same way that we do, but remember Jesus said, judge not, lest ye be judged. How many other countless things have I heard, always ending with these words, Lord, I am excused because you have said, do not render judgment. These words have been pulled quickly out of context in order to excuse Christians from being the ones standing up on the truth. When Jesus said, he who acknowledges me before the world, I will also acknowledge before the Father. He is telling us that we are to stand on the truth. On the truth of his name and the things which are called by his name. Whether it be Christians in baptism or churches 
who say they confess the truth, they must be judged according to the word of God. Not our judgment, the judgment of God. You see, if we preach this lawlessness that the world would like, judge not. If we preach a lawlessness where we disregard the law of God and we say whatever you do, is, whatever you do goes, whatever you do is acceptable. What are we teaching? Is that godliness? Is that on the, the path to do what is honorable in the sight of all? Is that how we will maintain this life where we are as much as it depends on us to live peaceably with all? No, God, God directs us back to what He has spoken. Could you imagine raising a family if you could not teach your kids the law of God? What does Jesus say with regards to families? They are to train up their children in the way they should go. What does it say? Oh, do not spare the rod and spoil the child. We curb sin at a young age. We don't have to teach children to be sinful. They are, in birth, sinful. We have to teach them to forgive. We have to teach them to apologize. These things do not come from the sinful nature. They come from God. This whole passage here that Jesus gives us in the Gospel lesson is right in the midst of His Sermon on the Mount when He is ministering to these crowds that are gathering around Him. And he's telling them, it's not that you should look at your neighbor and wish to judge them in order to make yourself appear better. You are also a sinner judged by the same law of God. You do not judge your neighbor as a way to return evil to them. For God says, do not repay evil with evil, but overcome evil with good. You do not judge your neighbor's sins in order to put them down. For Jesus expanded on the whole teaching of the law within that Sermon on the Mount for what purpose? To lead people back to God. So that they understood that nothing of all they have done is without sin. But that the one who brings forgiveness is God Himself in Christ. When we rebuke those who are living together before they are married, having sex outside of marriage, when that is a rebuke, it is an honest rebuke of the law of God so that they do not perish with an unbelieving world. It is an honest rebuke in the hopes that they repent of their sins and confess their sins and know that Jesus has atoned for them and that they return back to the Lord and He will show them mercy. When we as the church stand for the truth of the gospel and separate ourselves from other denominations, it is not because we wish to be exclusive, but we wish to stand on the truth of God's word and therefore we must examine false teachers. We must examine heterodox fellowships, which is just not right teaching. We have to look at that. But we do so because we do not wish to be taught wrong. 
We do not wish to teach others wrongly according to God's word. We want to teach rightly. We want to join together rightly around the word and the sacraments which deliver to us that forgiveness which Christ tells us we need. Which we ourselves know by the working of the Spirit that we could not live without. But Jesus also tells us that among ourselves, among the brothers and sisters in the faith, and even within our enemies, we are to practice forgiveness. And he uses this beautiful parable. He says, Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put in your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. He tells us that we are to give. And to give sparingly? No, abundantly. This is the standard by which grain was measured in the marketplace. If you wanted to know you were getting a good deal, they wouldn't just put the grain in the, in the basket or the bag or whatnot. They would take it, then they would shake it so it all settles down. Then they would fill it back up to the top. But that wasn't just enough. If you had a really generous giver, he would then pour it on top so that it was heaping over and it was spilling onto the ground. You got the very best deal. Well, that's how God has treated you. He has not just forgiven your sins, but he's made sure that you are living in that forgiveness and that you have it every day of your life. And then abundantly, he pours over you even more. He says, not only are you forgiven, but you are an heir of the kingdom. You have eternal life. You have been given more and more and more. And so he gives us this seal of that forgiveness When we go out and we forgive as we have been forgiven, it is a seal that we can be as sure as God himself has spoken that our sins are in heaven forgiven before God. God does not forgive us because we have forgiven, but it is assurance for us that as we forgive our brothers and sisters in Christ, when we invite them who have left the church back into this fellowship, Through these words of forgiveness, we are again being reassured of how God has treated us, that he has forgiven our sins. We have a long way to go on this earth towards the path of forgiveness. This congregation has its own faults, as every congregation does. We have not always been quick to forgive one another. We have not always explained everyone's actions in the kindest way. We have all held grudges against another. And it has not made for harmony within the church. It has not made a pathway towards forgiveness. Why are we like this? Why do we hold grudges against our neighbor? What good can come from holding on to a sin? What good can come from putting down another believer in Christ? We are to live in a way which is visibly honorable. We are to live as brothers and sisters in Christ with the same gift that reconciled the world to the Father is the same gift that you all possess 
to reconcile one another, to bring each other back together in peace. You have the blood of Christ. When you join together in receiving the body and blood of Christ, the fellowship of this altar, that very gift hidden under such plain and simple things as bread and wine, there you are to be in unity with your brother or sister in Christ. There you are to see this divine mercy of God, this abundant overflow of forgiveness. Because here's the thing. If you are holding on to your own sins, or holding on to the sins of your brother and sister in Christ and not forgiving them, how can you expect to receive the forgiveness of God? We confess our sins, and we desire unity, harmony with one another. When Jesus tells them this parable at the end, He said, can a blind man lead a blind man? Will they not both fall into a pit? How are we to lead others to the mercy of God if we do not believe it good enough for ourselves? How can we lead a sinful world to the message of hope in the gospel when we are harboring sins against our neighbor? How can we seek to do good to our enemy when we cannot even even do it to our own fellowship within this family? For that reason, we should consider these words. We should speak kindly of one another and love to do good to one another, to grow this fellowship in Christ in the forgiveness of sins, to seek out one another when we have disagreements, to try to end it peaceably as the Lord has done so with us. For with the mercy that God has given us, we should also give it to one another. And then we are no longer blinded. But God lifts this blindness of our sin from before our eyes so that we may see clearly to examine our brother's eye and pull whatever speck is in his. But we do not do so to condemn that person to hell, we do it so that they might receive the joy of life, the joy of heaven, the joy of eternity. Brothers and sisters in Christ, these words of Jesus are not given to be misused. They are given so that we stand firm upon the rock, which is the mercy of God given to us in Jesus Christ. These words are given so that we turn people toward forgiveness, toward absolution. He did not give them so that we could escape the law, but that we might escape the judgment of God over our transgressions from the law. And we have. God has given us freedom from all condemnation. God has given us freedom from the guilt of our sin. And just as he has been long-suffering with us, that we might turn from our wickedness, so too may we have the heart of mercy, which does not seek to hurt those who hurt us, but rather that we in perfect love show the mercy of the Father in forgiving and being quick to reconcile. 
In Jesus' name, amen. May the peace of God, which surpasses all our understanding, guard and keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord.